I would drive around the car park several times to try and find a space that had three bays available so I can park in the middle bay knowing that I had enough space to exit my car without hitting the other car with my door. Losing weight isn't easy and some days we can feel like we need some extra help. Welcome to the Weight Loss Warrior podcast, the show where we share inspiring real-life success stories from normal, everyday people like you and I. Listen to how each of our guests managed to overcome their personal challenges to lose the weight they wanted as they talk about the secrets to their success and give great advice that you can benefit from. Become part of our tribe and use the Weight Loss Warrior podcast as your source of motivation and support to help you on your weight loss transformation. And now, your host and friend, Carl Radley. Hi everyone, it's Carl here and welcome to another Weight Loss Warrior podcast episode. Today I'm joined by somebody who I have to admit, since finding her account on Instagram has been making me hungry on almost a daily basis with the amazing food pictures that she posts. Kirsty, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you for um, asking me on. I'm delighted to be here. Very nice to hear and thank you so much. It's, it's a pleasure to have you. So, Kirsty, before we get started, I just wondered if perhaps you could maybe tell us a bit about yourself, um, first of all, and then maybe because you've lost so much weight, what life was like prior to that, just to build a bit of a backstory? Yeah, of course. So, um, I am a mother of two uh, living in the north of uh, Scotland. Um, I work as a marketing executive um, for a fashion brand um, locally. Um, I'm 37 as well, soon to be 38. Um, (laughs) But apart from that, yeah, I suppose life life beforehand, um, I always, at the moment, I kind of see my life as in two parts now. And it's, it's really funny to actually look back upon the past and how life was um I was very much aware of my weight even at a very young age um you know I'm I'm talking about even when I was five years old and going to primary school here in Scotland um I I always felt very broad taller bigger than everybody in my year um at the time um as I kind of got older, and I'm talking about, you know, going into kind of pre-teens, um, I was very, as I said, aware of my size. Um, and even things like always wanting to be smaller, always wanting to be slimmer, always wanting to be like all the other girls that were the same age as me. Um, I was never bullied um, as a child regards to my weight, but it was... It was always something that I thought on a daily basis. Um, As I got older, I remember being maybe 12 years old and I probably weighed about 12 stone when I was 12 because every year after that, um, my kind of weight grew. Every every year I got older, I was always a stone heavier. Um, And I just got to the point where I thought that that was just who I was, that Every time I got older, I just got heavier and heavier. Um, I wasn't wearing, you know, the fashions of the day. When I was younger, I was, you know, starting to buy uh, women's size clothing when I was a a preteen. 
I couldn't go to any of the shops that, that all the other kids were going to um, because none of the clothes were fitting me. Um, I suppose more so when I was at university. Um, when I was at university, I think I weighed maybe about 17, 18 stone and I was wearing a size 22 to 24 dress size. Um, and again, it was that kind of wanting to be fashionable with all the, you know, with all my friends. But every time I kind of went shopping, I was always the one that was looking at shoes or accessories because I knew that none of the clothes were ever fitting me in Topshop or Zara or River Island. And I always had to go to a shop that sold plus size clothing. And at that time, you're talking early 2000s, there was only you know one, one shop that did that, which was, was kind of Evans. Um, there was never a plus size um, offering within fashion at that time. Health-wise, um, I always thought I was fit and healthy, but obviously I wasn't. My my knees hurt, my my you know my joints ached. Um, I was carrying you know all this excess weight with me for for such a long time. Um, I never really date. I never dated anybody. I always kind of just never had that kind of boyfriends or or dated in my life as well and I think that was due to to being overweight in my size um it wasn't I was never lonely I always kind of felt as if I was the soul of the party but I was overcompensating um my personality and my confidence to kind of try and overshadow this kind of sadness that I actually had for being overweight wow I, I it's hearing you say that's very I say interesting Kirsty because I can relate to a lot of what you said um I was probably 12 as well it was probably about the time I hit adolescence and I'd been quite a skinny kid up until then but I went from one extreme to the other and a few comments that people had made and it suddenly hit me that I was I was quite a big kid and and having to get used to that and like you say compensating in other ways is something that I think you become very good at and almost to protect your own feelings as much as to show everybody else that you don't really care necessarily how you look, but you know, you, you're still a nice person, you're still having fun, when really on the inside it can be a completely different story. And, and you've you've mentioned obviously the, the shops that you had to go to and being a teenager is difficult enough as it is, I think. Um, just, just growing up in, in this day and age as a teenager, there's enough social pressures, there's enough problems, there's enough things that can make life difficult but having extra weight and being a teenager I think is especially difficult and you mentioned and, and I smiled when you said it and obviously not in a nasty way but you mentioned Evans and, and this is a shop I, I remember whenever my mum was going shopping she'd always that'd be probably the first and only shop she'd go into because of the fact it was plus size and I, I know for her a woman her age there was things that were quite fashionable or at least you know okay for her but I can imagine as a teenager for you it was quite difficult knowing that was your only choice and knowing that those clothing items were probably not the same as all your friends were wearing. Yeah it's that thing as you said you know we, you're in an environment when you're younger you want to try and fit in um, but somehow as you said you know it's kind of that it's trying to fit in in different ways you know um, 
you make you make fun of yourself before anybody else could, you know, to try and make other people laugh because you don't, as you said, you know, you don't want to think that your feelings are hurt or that, you know, people are laughing at you. You kind of want to make the jokes first before they can ever say anything. It's, it's that protective, you know, shield that you, you wrap around yourself. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. With the with the plus size clothing, you know, it's it's so much better now than it's ever been. You know, you've got curve, you've got, you know, plus size, you know, influencers out there that's showing that being mid size or plus size is is okay, you know, it's 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 normal as well, you know, you don't have to kind of overcompensate, you don't have to conform to, you know, that kind of ideal perfect body. Um but that wasn't the case, you know, 20 years ago. Um, no. And as a young teen trying to express yourself or trying to be the person that you wanted to be, but you're kind of forced into this situation of, you know, wearing clothes that were for a much older generation. Um, it, not only have you got this kind of, you know, I say, you know, stigma of being overweight, you've then got this added thing of, not being fashionable like or not acting your age at the same time or not looking your age at the same time so it's like double pressures yes and and that's something as teenagers all all we want to do is blend in and, and be as unnoticeable as possible I think and I did it I tried to do it in different ways as well I actually I studied at art school um I studied design um, so for me, I try to express myself in other ways. So I very much was quite androgynous in the way I dress. So I was wearing like shirts and ties. Hmm. I, you know, I cut my hair short because I wanted people to maybe recognize me as the girl with short hair and not as the girl who was overweight or the girl who was fat. Um, I wanted to be recognized in a different way. So I I really tried to do that. You know, I, I had a mohawk haircut. I, you know, I dyed my hair red. I was wearing suits to university to try and be different, that I could express myself in a different way that wasn't with this kind of view of that's Kirsty, she's fat. Of course. And, and if I can ask Kirsty, do you think you would have gone to such extremes with your haircut, with the clothes that you wore? had you have not been heavier? No, I don't... Hmm, difficult one. Um, potentially, I think because I was in a creative environment, I would have maybe put that into the work that I was doing instead of myself. So I don't think I would have been as crazy with my style or my look if I had been slimmer. Okay. And I, I just ask because creative types, people who are creative, and I think back to college and you know, everyone seemed to be in different groups, but, but art students, whether it was music or you know graphics, usually would be the people who would wear different clothes and act differently. So I was wondering if it was actually the weight that created this image that you presented yourself as or whether or not it was just really you, but you kind of felt that being overweight was kind of, holding you back or at least not allowing you to be your true self? I think the weight was definitely holding me back for being my true self. I, but it's always that kind of thing of wanting to be like 
somebody else or wanting to look like this. And because I wasn't that person, I had to kind of create this character, um, which I which I was kind of putting it as this is <laughs> this is me. Mm-hmm. But really, I, I probably would have wanted to be more like the other girls again. Of course, for me, it was Doc Martin boots. That was kind of to, to make anyone look every anywhere except for my body. Look at my feet with my Doc Martin boots. They were awful. Um, okay, so so Kirsty, tell me, was there a, a single moment or, or something that happened during your life that made you decide, right, enough's enough. I'm going to change. Yeah, absolutely. So for myself, it was. It came from a, a cancer diagnosis um, from my, my, my grandfather, uh, my papa. Um, he was diagnosed with a, a rare form of stomach cancer um, back in 2014. By this time, I was married. I had my first child. I had my daughter, Isla. Um, and at that time, I would have I would have maybe been weighing in... I would say about 19 stone. Um, I would have been wearing a size 24, 26 at the time. Um, My grandfather has always been that guy in my life who was always wanted me to strive for more. He was very sporty. He was a PE teacher. Uh, he was also a football manager in the in the local area. Um, very well established, very well known. Um, he we played golf together. We would go to football games together. We would watch sport together. Um, and obviously, with this kind of diagnosis, it really floored us as a family because we just assumed that it's almost that kind of figure in your life that you just think would just live forever um, and be in our lives forever. Um, we got the call that he wasn't in a great way and that we should probably go and see him. Um, so as a family, we all went down to his bedside. Um, he was at my aunt's house. And as we sat around him, he kind of talked to us individually. He spoke to my sister um, and said to her how proud he was that she followed her passion in nursing and helped so many people in her job role. He talked to my husband uh, and said how much he would have loved to enjoy more of his company and got to know him more. And then he turned to me and he said, Kirsty, um, it's just a shame that you've had the inability to lose weight. Wow. Oh, my word. I was just, again, I was floored. It kind of just like sucker punched me in the heart. Of course. But I turned it around again into humour. Um, I just couldn't believe it. And I was like, oh, but I've always been this way and I'm happy, blah, 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 blah. Um, so I said my goodbyes, got into the car with my family, again, using humour. I said, I can't believe he said this to you and I can't believe he said this to you. And he said to me, I can't believe that you're still fat. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And it's the last thing he said to me. He died the very next morning. Um, but I knew he said it for a reason. And I knew he said it out of love. As much as when I tell the story to people, they're always kind of shocked about those kind of words and how harsh they are. But he loved me and he needed me to do something about it. 
that was his kind of last push. He knew, I think, if I kept on carrying the way that I was going, I, I don't think I would be here. I think I would have, I think I would have passed away from some weight related issue as well. So, um, that was Christmas 2014, three weeks later. Um, that's when I decided that I was going to change my life. What a, what a journey and, and a story as well, Kirsty. It's, um, I, I can completely appreciate where you can see it came from a, a place of love yeah. and considering the relationship that you had and the kind of person he sounds that he was, I think he knew exactly what he was doing. And by doing that, obviously, it, it sounds that if you'd gone that far in your life, accepting being at that weight, there was nothing really that you were going to decide on your own that would probably persuade you to make a change because you'd come that far. Um, and he could probably see that. And I'm sure quite you know sure he, he's probably looking down now and, and proud of everything you've done there um so congratulations there although it must have been a very bitter pill especially dealing with losing him as well um but that's, it's admirable really I mean that thank you um yeah it's it was a difficult time but at this at the same time as you said it was it was it was out of love and also there's a part of me it's like I'll show you I'll show you that I can do this now um so and you're you're absolutely right if I'd got to that stage you know being 30 being aware since five years old and now 30 and nothing's really changed and it's just it's just getting harder you know I it took that one person to be honest and and brutal um to really make me see that I, I really needed to do something about this and be serious in making the changes as well. Absolutely. Well, so three weeks after Christmas, you decided to make a change. What did you do next? So what I did is actually, I, I didn't know where to start. You know, I had gone through life not really knowing about nutrition, not really kind of willing to make changes or kind of just doing it 50 50 you know never really giving it a hundred percent so I knew I needed support and I knew I needed help into discovering a way that I could change my lifestyle and lose weight and make those changes that were going to stick forever I never I never wanted to go on a diet I knew that 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 was sounded something that was only going to work for three weeks if I went on a diet. This was a complete lifestyle change that I needed to make. So I joined uh, a local Slimming World group um, here. And, um, yeah, walking through those do doors after Christmas, the, the Christmas rush after mm. New Year, everybody's got New Year's resolutions and wanting to make changes. Um, yeah. I, I needed the help. I needed the support. I needed the accountability as well. And that's what kind of Slimmer World gave me was accountability to go somewhere every week and to be accountable for the changes that I've made and the results that I was getting as well at the same time. 
very, very interesting to hear you say that because Slimming World, yeah, this is this is something that, although this podcast isn't specifically focused on Slimming World, of course, being one of the the most popular, if not the most popular, slimming program or you know weight management program in the UK. Already, I've I've spoken to a number of people who have had a lot of success with Slimming World, and every single person has said the same regarding that accountability and also the support, because, again, getting that support from home, you can always get encouragement, but at the same time, there's a very thin line between feeling encouraged and feeling kind of pressured by the people around you and the people that love you, and and I know sometimes it can be very difficult as somebody who wants to provide support to try not to cross that line or, or to make sure that their efforts are seen in a positive way. So having an outside influence, having an outside group of people who completely get it, who you know have probably got very similar stories, similar backgrounds, experiences to you, and you're all there with the same purpose, I, I think that sense of community is very strong and very important. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, as you said, it's the support network around you of like-minded people. Um who understand some weeks of how you're feeling, you know, but other weeks where you get praised, you know, you get praised for, for doing well and you get awarded for doing well. Um, but at the same time, you also get praised for realising challenges. You know, you get praised for, you know, let's say you have gained that week, but the the whole kind of... And it's something that's not talked about a lot with Slimmer World, but it's something that I took a lot away from Slimmer World was the psychology behind some of my actions. You know, what led me to choose certain foods or how a situation led me to overeating. And that's something that even now, after all these years, um, since I've lost the weight, is I'm still very much kind of an, an analyzing oh that's interesting why did I do that and that's not talked a lot about when it comes to slimmer world but it's a lot that I took away from it as well and I think the interesting thing about that and, and you've touched on some really good and important points is that I think most of the weight loss programs for the popular ones they're obviously and I think I've said this on another episode that they of a vehicle to get you from A to B. And they tell you, you know, follow these steps and this will happen and that's fine. But I think for many people, the emotional need or the psychological problems connected with being overweight, having an emotional attachment to food, these are the things that probably need more help than being told what to eat for a certain period of time to lose the weight because these are the things that, that sit in the shadows and they're there. So when you do have a bad day, you do have a difficult moment. These are the things that you probably, on some level, not even aware of. But these are the triggers that lead you to the fridge, eat, lead you to, to eating late at night, choosing the wrong foods. And so it's really good to hear that, that you've actually looked at that from a psychological point of view. And you're analysing your own behaviour to see you know, what causes these triggers. When do they occur? Why do they occur? And um, I, I think that's, I mean, you tell me, do you think that's been instrumental in you managing to, to keep your weight down? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, for 
for that time, as I said, that period of time from being five to 30, I had created some habits around my eating that were leading me to being overweight. You know, every single year I was gaining weight. And that was due to the habits that I had, that I had kind of grown with throughout those years. So when I joined the Slim and World group, there's there's a kind of thing that they called a journey to discovery, and it's trying to identify what are your trigger foods. And I just I couldn't. I was like, well, what is what is a trigger food? And it's that kind of thing of like once you start, you can't stop. And the only way you ever stop is one, if it runs out or you feel sick. So I had to, even even now, I'm kind of like, oh, why have I done that? that that's potentially a trigger food. So for instance, ice cream for me is a trigger food. Um, I absolutely love ice cream. So I've had to look back and go, well, why is ice cream a trigger food for me. Well, we then look at the kind of subconscious level of what leads you to that trigger food. So I have to then look and go, well, when I go for ice cream, how am I feeling? Do I feel, am I bored? Am I happy? Am I tired? Um, so it comes back to that kind of maybe background emotions because at the end of the day what the trigger food is is me searching for some form of comfort or love from it that will satisfy maybe my feelings for all of 30 seconds before I kind of want and it's that high you then get like oh my gosh I feel amazing after having that but then it diminishes really quickly and that's where you feel guilty then for having it. You feel shameful for having it. So then you look to fill that space again with the happiness by having more. So I then have to think, well, why again? Why is ice cream a trigger food for me? Why do I find love and comfort in ice cream? So if you take me back to being five years old and being picked up on a Sunday afternoon by my papa and my my granny, they would take me down to the coast with my sister and we'd have a walk along the beach and they would show me love and they would show me affection by buying me a ice cream. <laughs> so wow. I can then relate that I associate that love and affection with ice cream. So when I am upset and I feel sad or I'm emotional, or I'm tired, or I'm bored, all that kind of negative kind of feelings, I'm trying to suppress them by looking for that feeling of love that I saw when I was five years old, when I was eating ice cream. That's, that's incredible, really, when, when you stop and think that there's such a big gap and so much has happened in your life, but yet you're able to trace it right back to the very beginning of when you were aware of your weight at five years old and it is the human brain is a, is a strange thing and I'm sure there's probably lots of people who listen to this and have not even considered that journey or, or why they have certain triggers and it's going to probably provoke a lot of people to start thinking about that and, and I think that's fantastic because understanding yourself and understanding 
these patterns, I think, are instrumental in you being able to actually overcome them or at least control them by being aware of them. Yeah, because then the situation is, is I'm never going to get away from ice cream. Um, <laughs> you know, even even during the week, we have an ice cream man that parks literally outside my house every Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to... As I scream as a trigger and as I scream that throws me back into old habits of eating, I've got to find a way around it, um, how I can either con control myself in saying, no, I don't want to have the ice cream and I'll maybe have something else instead. Or thinking to myself, well, I can have this ice cream, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to be 19 stone again straight away. Because it's it's having the ice cream that then triggers off that effect of being feeling guilty for having it. Of course. And and perhaps the separation as well, that when you're feeling any of those negative emotions that you mentioned and you turn to ice cream, or perhaps on a Sunday when you're having a fantastic day with a family, you're really enjoying yourself and the ice cream man comes, you think to yourself you know, you like ice cream, you enjoy ice cream and you're feeling good about it. So you, you're not necessarily going to have an ice cream out of that negative impulse, but you're going to have it because you're just going to have an ice cream and that's it. Yeah. And there doesn't have to be anything more to it than that. Yeah. It's, it's incredible really. And, and I think what's really important for, for people to realize is that you won't just have one trigger food either. And also, it doesn't have to be trigger food. You might find yourself in trigger situations, um, whether it's like a, at a buffet or you're at a coffee shop or the cinema. But also, a, a, a potential trigger could be somebody as well that you're with. You know, um, whether, you know, every time you meet up with a friend, you always have a cake and a coffee so it's it's, it's potential um, yeah there could be different things within there as well but I always find it very fascinating that even now after seven years of being a member I am still thinking about things that might appear and I think oh that's interesting I wonder why that's happened let's analyze it <laughs> no but fair play to you for doing it because I think this is this is one of the massive keys to, to longevity here and, and being able to, to control your weight by understanding how it works for the, for the good and for the bad. So, Kirsty, if, if I could, how much did you lose or have you lost in total since you decided to lose weight? Um, total, I've lost seven stone, 11 pounds. Um, my first target that I set, which I achieved after um, 16 months, um, I lost seven stone, four pounds. Um, but actively this year, I've been able to maintain my weight, but actively this year, I've lowered my target slightly um, in the aim of getting my kind of aiming for that eight stone in total. Okay. And, and so you're just a couple of pounds away from it now? Only a few pounds and, away. Um, yeah, yeah. I say only a few. Only a few. <laughs> that can still feel like a mountain, <laughs> yeah. even though you have gone past seven stone 11, which uh, being in Spain... I, I work in kilos and I had, I've just had a look and that's 49 kilos and that's, that's an incredible amount of weight to lose. And yeah. congratulations on that. That's, Thank you. It's incredible. Very well done. And has it, if, if you look at that journey through Slimming World and understanding yourself, I'm sure it's probably been 
quite an emotional journey and also probably not plain sailing the whole time. So how, how has it been overall, if you look back, has it been easy? Has it been difficult? How, how would you say? I think with any journey, you always have your peaks and troughs, don't you? Um, the first The first year I was fully focused you know I was I was saying no to things and I was I was giving it my all so my first year I lost um six stone um in the first 12 months and my sister was getting married um so and I was going to be maid of honor so I lost a further stone on the lead up to the wedding so in total to get into target it took me 16 months um, in 2017, I fell pregnant with my second child um, and my weight did go up um, just before pregnancy and during pregnancy. Um, but after Cameron was born, um, I went back to my Slimming World group and I lost my, my baby weight and kind of got back to the kind of target range that I set for myself. So really since 2019 until now, I've been able to maintain my weight within the kind of half a stone to nine pounds range. Um, But it is difficult. You know, you have, I go through bouts of, you know, four weeks really focusing on my food, really focusing on being prepared and organised. And then there'll be maybe another couple of months where I've given myself a little bit more flexibility. But then I check in. I think that, again, it's accountability. I do like just to check in to see where I'm at because then I can form a plan of getting back into the range that I prefer to be in, if that makes sense. Yeah, completely. And... I think, first of all, I'm going to say I think it's completely natural that we we have slight variances mm-hmm. in our weight going up and down throughout the year, be it seasonal, be it holidays, various things and reasons, you know. But I'd, I'd say when you look at the ratio of how much you've lost and, and how well you're able to control that, it's, it's an impressive effort. And like you said yourself, and I appreciate your honesty by saying that, it isn't easy and, and it can be difficult. And this year I've been on my own journey and lost some weight and just come back from a holiday and I still realise I haven't quite nailed it in terms of being able to control my eating and in situations where you know I kind of forgive myself and, and, and give myself a free pass. But this is part of my journey and I think everybody has their own. And one other thing I wanted to ask you as well, Kirsty, because you mentioned that, you know, you're trying to reach that elusive eight stone total. But other conversations I've had as well with people is it isn't just about hitting a certain number. And and I think it can actually be quite detrimental if you if people who are trying to lose weight focus solely on a specific number, because you kind of take that enjoyment of, of how you look and how your body's changed. And, you know, there's many, many things that you can enjoy by losing weight just in your day-to-day life and and I, I guess my advice to not to you really because I think you're you've, you've got your head screwed on and you know exactly how to play this game and and for anyone listening but I would say that it isn't so much about the number look for the other changes in your life and, and I wanted to ask you as well how has your life changed since losing the weight 
I think you're, you're, first of all, you're completely right. It's always about how you feel. I think for me, regards to numbers is that kind of slight goal setter that's within me um, to try and kind of challenge myself. But you're, you're absolutely spot on because you've got to find what's right for you and how you're feeling. In regards to personal changes, if I... <laughs> If I look at simple things on a day-to-day basis and how that's actually changed, um, something as simple as parking the car at a supermarket or in a car park, as much as it sounds really silly, before being, being 19 stone, I would drive around the car park several times to try and find a space that had three bays available so I can park in the middle bay knowing that I had enough space to exit my car without hitting the other car with my door. So it's that kind of thing now of just being able to actually park in a space, open the door and walk out without having anxiety that you're going to get stuck or that you were going to bash the car beside you, or somebody was going to notice you struggling to exit a vehicle, um, is completely gone. I, you know, I, I find myself in situations that I couldn't get into my car. I could not physically get into my car because there was not enough space for me to go in between the two cars and open my door and sit in to the point where I've actually had to climb through the the passenger side, over the over my gearbox to get into the front seat, um, and things like I have it. I don't own a tumble dryer. I will. I dry my clothes on a clothes horse, <laughs> um, <laughs> and before I could probably dry being a size twenty four twenty six. I could probably dry maybe five items maximum on my clothes horse with my clothes drying and now being a smaller size, I get so much washing and drying done <laughs> on a daily basis now that I was never able to do before. Um, and I think even, so like those might sound as if they don't make a massive impact to your life, but there were constant things that they were on my mind constantly on it and that bears a heavy weight in itself Abs- just just yeah those small things and you know taking taking like i i travel a lot with my work and i take flights a lot for my work as well and the the fear of the extension belt was always was always there or am i encroaching on somebody else's space or is somebody looking at me sitting in the in the aeroplane going oh my gosh please don't let me sit beside her um, or one one trip that I, I took with the family to Spain, um, the tray that comes down for you to place your drink and your meal onto, um, I actually couldn't get it past my stomach, um, and I had to I had to eat my meal in my hands because I couldn't get the the tray level because my tummy was in the way. Um, just just. Thing, it sounds like little things. It's not little things. It was it was massive things that played onto your mind and really affected 
affected you in a way that will will kind of scar me i think for forever i don't think they're silly things at all and i'm sure that people who are listening to this who are overweight wanting to lose weight have probably just been sat there listening nodding their head in agreement recognizing these situations and i remember when i was maybe 14 or 15 we were on a school trip to switzerland and the boys weren't allowed in the girls' room. Girls weren't allowed in the boys' room. Standard school practice rules. And me and my friend Matt, we'd, we'd snuck into the girls' room. It was only during the afternoon, so no problem, but the teacher came in. So the girls said, quick, hide under the bed. My mate Matt slid under the bed, no problem. And I only got as far as my bum. And I couldn't squeeze under the bed because my bum was too big. And that's something in a room full of girls who, you know, mm-hmm. I probably fancied at least two of them, was, was horrible. And it's something that I still think about even today. So I, I can completely understand where these probably quite small or, or what people would consider insignificant day-to-day things happening. But with a build-up of time and a build-up of all these situations happening, it, it really impacts you emotionally and, and can prevent you wanting to do a lot of things because of that. So thank you, Kirsty, for sharing those examples. Thank you for sharing an insight to to the situations that you faced and also those situations, how they've changed since losing the weight. And I'd like to ask you just before we finish the interview, if if you could tell us or give us any kind of advice, anything that you'd like to say to anyone who's listened to this and is possibly in the situation you were in and, and wants to do something about it. I think it's I think it's having belief in yourself that you can absolutely change anything that you want to, but you have to do it a hundred percent you know it's it's that kind of thing of if if you're going for it give it your all and there is never never apologize for doing something that you truly want to do um I think for myself and I've always said this as well you do have to be selfish in some of your choices um but it's for you other people will benefit from it, but anything that you choose to do is for you, and that's okay. You know, we live, as I said, as a as a mum, as a wife, working a full time job, having parents, having sisters. You know, you kind of you end up falling low on the list of priorities, and it's key that if this is something you want to do, you need to be at top of that priority list. Because how can you look after all these other people if you're if you're not looking after yourself as well? You need to be happy. You need to be in a place that you want to be that you're able to filter that through the rest of your your life and your loved ones. Very wise words and, and very inspiring as well, Kirsty. Thank you so much for joining me today on this episode. And just before you go, I'd like to ask if it's okay if if we share your Instagram account with the people listening because not only is there amazing food but they can go on there they can see your before and after photos and follow you because you you post a lot of interesting things and I, I think people could take a lot of from that and a lot of inspiration from that if they do want to lose weight and lead a healthier lifestyle yeah of course um so you can follow me on instagram at little underscore bit underscore less Excellent. I'll put it in the show notes so people can also you know, copy and paste it straight into Instagram. But again, thank you so much. And uh, that really just leaves me to say and welcome you 
as a, an official member and honorary member of a weight loss warrior team and and thank you for joining us oh, today. i'm delighted thank you so much i've thoroughly enjoyed this and it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for inviting me on you're very welcome take care kirsty bye i'd also like to say a big thank you to you our listeners i appreciate you joining us at the weight loss warrior podcast and would love that you become part of our tribe If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to our podcast to never miss a new weight loss warrior tell their story. We share brand new episodes every single Monday and Thursday and hope that you join us next time. You can also find us on Instagram where we share great tips and advice on how you can lose weight in a safe and sustainable way. Simply search for Weight Loss Warrior Podcast and follow us today. Remember, be kind to yourself and keep looking forward. You can achieve your goals.